Today's reading is from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 to 32. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. This is the word of the Lord. Well, this week I've been getting back into swimming. After three to four months off, I'm just so slow. I don't know whether you would call what I'm doing sinking or swimming, but you know, the, the, the difference is minimal. All the muscle memory is gone, uh, but I guarantee you the excesses of isolation eating haven't gone. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a long, slow build. I'm sure it's not just me. I'm sure that all the gym junkies are getting back into the gym after three months off. It's a long time. Uh, now, we're going to go through it as a church as well. Uh, we are the body of Christ, and yet, unusually, we're out of practice in meeting together. If you like, our body needs work. Uh, as a church, we need to do some bodybuilding. And that's what this recommitment sermon series is about in the back half of Ephesians, going to work on the body of Christ. And today, we're going to focus our bodybuilding efforts on our words, our mouth, our tongues, our communication. And so today, we're going to see that we engage in bodybuilding by firstly putting on truth and taking off falsehood, deceit. And secondly, we build the body through watching our mouths. We'll see that doing the opposite comes at a cost. When we take off the clothing of truth and put on the clothing of falsehood, it's like we're giving a gift to Satan. And when we're not watching our mouth, we're actually causing grief to the Holy Spirit, whose work is to bring us together. So let me start firstly with taking off falsehood and putting on truthfulness. Uh, last week, you might remember, we spoke about taking off our COVID clothes as we prepare to come back, come back to church together, putting on our, our church clothes. Uh, remember the putting off, putting on kind of uh, illustration that Paul is using in Ephesians 4, to 24? Uh, that is putting off the old humanity and putting on the new humanity. Uh, and that continues into our passage today. Now, of course, God's gift of salvation is secure. It's unchangeable. Uh, but what is still changing, what is still developing, growing, is our obedience that arises from this faith. The, the change is the activity of putting on the new humanity that matches the new mind that God has recreated for us. Uh, whilst our salvation in Jesus is secure... The process that continues is that putting off, putting on, 
Uh, and that's what you see in this language as we continue in our passage today. Ephesians 4, uh, verse 25. Therefore, each of you uh, must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour, for we are all members of one body. So where are we to be putting on truthfulness and taking off falsehood? Well, it's in the body, isn't it? It's in the body of Christ. You see the reason there in verse 25. We're all members of the one body. Uh, looking at the rest of this passage, the focus here is on how we treat one another as Christ's body. Uh, see how chapter 4 starts. Live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. It's no surprise that we're to put on truth and take off falsehood. And we're not to be like the world around us. It has to be different from us. It's got to be different for us. You see that in verse 20. That, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and you were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. Wouldn't it be odd to be told the truth, taught the truth, and then turn around and lie? That'd be very odd, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it also be odd to be the body of Jesus, uh, being taught the truth in him, and then as a body, to turn around and conceal the truth. And we taught this in a world that speaks of truth so lightly, in a world that speaks of white lies, non-core promises, and believing in the personal truths, my personal truths, rather than objective truth. Um, the way that sentences are started just gives you, gives away where we're at in our world. We say... To be honest, implying that we weren't really being honest before. Or we say, if I'm honest, uh, as if my honesty is a break from usual programming. Uh, see, see we, we're called to be people of truth in an environment, in, in a society that expects a fair bit of deceit. One of the things I love about Penrith is that people often say what they think. There are other parts of Sydney where people are far more reserved, restrained. I had a minister friend who ministered in the West before going to North Shore Church, and he said, Tom, it's like renovating a house. In the West, you can see the problem because people tell you what it is. Whereas in, in the other place, you had to cut through layers and layers of wallpaper before you got up to even see the problem. Uh, recently at a funeral, I, I heard a son speak about his Penrith mum uh, as plain speaking. I think, what an enormous compliment. Uh, so as we go about our recommitment, as we build the body of Christ together, let's be a church who are plain speaking, speaking the truth in love. The discussion in Ephesians 4 then moves to anger. And I want to ask you this question. Is there truth in anger? Well, Yes and no, isn't there? Like, anger isn't a great basis or determinant of truth. And yet so often behind anger, uh, behind the fireworks of anger lies the truth. Um, how do you put on truth with someone whilst you're angry with them? How are you able to take off falsehood while you're angry? 
Well, it's not easily done. Have a look at verse 26. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Uh, This is quoted from Psalm 4, a psalm of David. What's going on in the psalm? Well, in the psalm, the picture is one of bedtime, lying down, reflecting on the day. I take it reflecting on the things that cause anger. And so we're to speak truth in our anger and then speak the truth in love to one another. Not not to explode in anger, worrying about the truth later. It's often usual just to take a few moments to calm down uh, so that you don't sin in your anger. But not so long that you dwell on that cause of anger and it becomes bitterness and malice, things that we're told of, that that they have no place in the body later on in the passage. Um, Counselors will tell you that anger is a secondary emotion. Uh, That is, what's really important uh, is what's going on behind the fireworks of anger, Uh, perhaps fear of rejection, injured pride, crooked justice, whatever it is. And later in verse 31, anger is on the list of things that shouldn't characterise the body of Christ alongside bitterness and malice. Yet at the same time, there's a recognition that the truth in anger must be dealt with well. And that truth must be dealt with not in three years' time, but soon. As they say, deal with it and move on. What does this mean for us as the body of Christ? The reality of relationships is that anyone you spend time with at close range will annoy you. It's just two humans being in the same room. And that happens at church too, doesn't it? However, working through frustrations rather than just ignoring them often brings closeness and a better relationship. The reality is that many of us are conflict avoiders. We think that it is kind to say nothing in our anger, just to absorb the hurt and move on. That's actually not kindness. It doesn't work towards better relationships. It just creates more distance. So much better to deal with truth in the context of love. So you wonder, is anger to be in or out? I think the reality is that this side of heaven, anger is always with us. And there is often truth in anger that needs to be dealt with. Why? Well, it's for the health of the body. What happens if we don't do this well? Actually, if we hang on to anger, we're actually just giving Satan a gift. Have a look at what it says in verse 27. And do not grieve, uh, sorry, do not give the devil a foothold. As a church, we're saying, uh, as we don't deal with anger, we're saying, hey, Satan, come occupy a place in my heart. Live there for a while. When we don't deal with anger, uh, we don't don't deal with the truth in the anger, when we don't put off lies, we're actually building Satan a home within our church. In in the sin that comes from our anger, we're putting out a welcome mat for Satan, saying, here, come in, stay for a while. Rather, as we'll see in Ephesians 6, we're to stand firm against Satan, his accusations, his schemes, his deceptions, with the belt of truth firmly buckled around our waist. I wonder if you've driven down uh, Henry Street and uh, past that big gym, uh, uh, just near the shops there, uh, and and right next door to the gym, there's a gym store. Now, if you have a look into the door of that gym, gym gym store, you'll see that there's there's gym clothes and that sort of thing, but the main thing they sell is 
supplements, that stuff you consume when you're bodybuilding. Um, it, it seems that uh, what you put in your mouth is all important for bodybuilding. So they tell me. Uh, of, of course, in our body, uh, in our bodybuilding as a church, our mouth is crucial. Uh, not so much what goes into it, but what comes out of it. Uh, that's the first activity of bodybuilding, putting off falsehood and putting on truth, cutting through anger to the truth, not letting, letting anger turn to bitterness, but being plain with the truth in the context of loving relationships. So build the body up by putting on truth and taking off falsehood. Secondly, and more specifically, use your words for bodybuilding. Have a look at verse 29 there. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. In the body, we're seeking to build up, not deplete. We're seeking to build reserves rather than stealing from them. It's no surprise that this comes one verse after a verse about stealing. See, stealing depletes, stealing reduces. And there's a similar motive with the stuff that comes out of the mouth. Instead of stealing, what, do you, what should you do? You should work. Why? Uh, so that you can save better, so that you can be richer, so that you can uh, uh, not live in fear of the police. No, 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 no. You work so that you can give to those in need. Uh, what, what words should you speak to a person? Verse 29, only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. So don't steal. Instead, work hard. Why? Give according to the size of those in need. Same in our conversations. Uh, have conversations that will build people up according to their need. You look at uh, verse 29, uh, what it says. It says, uh, don't, speak, uh, don't speak unwholesome words. Don't let unwholesome talk uh, come out of your mouths. Um, uh, as James chapter 3 says, we have a choice with our tongue. Uh, it's like the rudder of a ship, small but instrumental in change. Uh, James 3.9, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. But of course, Ephesians speaks particularly about unwholesome talk. What does unwholesome talk mean? Well, unwholesome is from the same word used in the Bible for bad fruit. Uh, for example, I, this week I picked up an avocado that had gone from green to brown. Uh, I didn't throw some dressing in it and give it to the kids. No, it went straight to the green bin. It wasn't fit for consumption. Our words have the potential to be exactly the same. Unwholesome, disgusting, gross, not fit for human consumption. Uh, not going to contribute to growth, instead going to cause rot. That's what our words must not be like. There are healthy words, there are unhealthy words. Words that build up, words that tear down. Bad fruit is associated with bad trees. Uh, and that's what Jesus says, speaking to his opponents. Uh, Jesus says in Matthew 12, 33, uh, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. Bad, for a tree is recognised by its fruit. 
And he says this to his opponents, verse 34, you brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of good stored up for him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words, you will be acquitted, and by your words, you will be condemned. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? We're we're told words are cheap, but words aren't cheap at all, are they? Our words carry significant weight. Your words carry eternal weight. With no surprise, you'll notice back in Ephesians, uh, the similarities in terms of the day of redemption, the day of judgment. Have a look at verse, uh, verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Our words have the potency to grieve God's Spirit. Remembering that the Holy Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the day of redemption. He is the one who is growing and reconciling the body of Christ. He, the Spirit, is the life giver. And so, of course, when we speak rotten words, it's like we're bringing about a death that causes the Holy Spirit grief. They're not the words we've been saved to speak. Uh, I love uh, that our church is getting into growing in Christ goals. I wonder how your growing in Christ goals are going so far this year. Uh, one of my growing Christ goals this year has been to stop the mock. Uh, the eternally expensive words that I use so often are mocking words. Uh, the very opposite to words that build up, uh, rather words that tear down. Now, I don't know how your friends speak when they get together, but my friends speak by mocking uh, And attempting to stop the mock has meant that on the celebrated occasion that I actually catch myself before speaking, I have much less to say. Our words to one another matter a great deal. They have eternal significance. I imagine on this point, silent monasteries have a lot going for them. Uh, Friends, I want you to picture two households. Household number one. Uh, In this household... They think before they speak. And when they do speak, they think of the person's needs that they're speaking to and only say something that would actually build up their hearers. That's the first household. Household two. Household two, they rarely give any thought to what they say. They occasionally stop and think about what they're going to say. Why? Well, they stop and think of what they're going to say to think of a way that they could maximise the damage to the person they're speaking to. Of those two households, I wonder, is there one household that you more easily imagine than the other? Which household would you fit into better? Now, of course, the focus of this passage is the body of Christ, the household of God. Which household are we to be like?
Well, it's all too clear, isn't it? Our words are so important. It's so important that we grow here. However, you'll notice that this isn't a list of don't do this, do this. It's more like don't be this, but instead be like this. It's not in the first place about our behaviour, but rather in the first place it's about our identity in Christ. And our identity in Christ then drives our behaviour, uh, putting on our new clothes, taking off our old clothes. And this is all set in the context of grace, of God's kindness. See there in the final verse of chapter 4, verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Don't miss this bit. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. As the body of Christ, we are to be to one another, just as Jesus has been to us. It's not don't do this because you'll be, you'll be eternally condemned. Rather, don't do this because that's not who Jesus saved you to be. Uh, I've been reading up on bodybuilding this week. And to be honest, I, I didn't realise how much sacrifice was involved in bodybuilding. Uh, five meals a day, that doesn't sound too bad, until you realise that it's all carbs, chicken, eggs, potato, no dessert, no sugar, no chocolate. Uh, the, the time cost, waking up in the middle of the night to have one of those meals, even when a roast chicken is the last thing you feel like after you've woken up. The financial cost, some spend over $500 a month in those supplements, uh, those jars of supplements cost about 100 bucks each. Uh, and you haven't even paid for your gym membership yet. And, and the long-term health effects, uh, and e even if you haven't been on anabolic steroids, right, it's a serious sacrifice. You know where I'm going here, right, don't you? I want to ask you, are you prepared to work as hard on building this body uh, are you willing to, to give your time to reflect and then your efforts to change, to be the person of truth that Jesus has called you to be, to give time and to risk relationships to ensure that we are being the people of truth that God has called us to be? Seriously, take a moment and reflect this week, just this week. Where have you put on the clothes of falsehood this week? It might be that you haven't outright lied but what are the conversations where you haven't actually been as honest as your conscious demand conscience demands you to be what are the conversations where uh, you should have been in but actually you avoided uh, opting not to let the truth rise to the surface what are the moments where you've got angry without reigning in sin Friends, this is the behaviour in Christ that we've been called away from. This is the behaviour that we've been called to take off. As you recommit yourself to the church in this season, what are the areas and situations where you know in your heart that you might not clothe yourself in truth? Uh, the areas that you might withdraw from so that you don't have to front up and be genuine. If you had to express them in a growing in Christ goal, like stop the mock, what would that be? Well, friends, it's such a great joy that our salvation doesn't rest on our behaviour.
but instead it rests on the work of Jesus Christ who showed up in truth, the light exposing the darkness, the son illuminating his father, the father forgiving us children through the completed work of the very embodiment of truth in Jesus Christ. What a joy that we are saved by grace and that we get to keep working towards being the people that God has called us to be. Let's pray together. The Proverbs call us to put away a deceitful mouth and to put perverse lips far from us. The Proverbs say a worthless person, a wicked man walks with a perverse mouth and yet the mouth of the righteous is a well of life. The Lord gives wisdom from his mouth. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Uh, Father in heaven, as your body, we want to take off falsehood. We want to take off anger riddled with sin. We want to take off deceit. Instead, as your people, we want to speak the truth in love. We want to grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of our Lord Jesus Christ, growing and building itself up in love as each part does its work. Father, help us to be this body. Give each of us insight into our hearts. Help each of us to live using that recreated mind that you've given us, not giving Satan a home amongst in our heart, not giving Satan a home amongst our church, not grieving your life-giving spirit who works in us, reconciling us and prompting us to be the people you've saved us to be. Father, we need your help in this, and we thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, friends, uh, now we have the opportunity to sing and we get to sing some of these words uh, that we've been reflecting on. Uh, This next song is This Life I Live. Uh, First verse, this life I live is not my own, for my Redeemer paid the price. He took it to be his alone, to be his treasure and to be his prize. Uh, The things of earth I've left behind to live in worship of my King. Friends, why don't you sing this?